I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ah, you damn right. Welcome to Thursday. Welcome to June. Here we go. Summer technically right around the corner, but those temperatures are already getting there. And the NBA Finals start tonight. We're going to get a national preview of that coming up. But we do hear that the guy is a UT alum. We're going to have to ask about Texas a little bit. Speaking of Texas and basketball, got some big news to start the show with today. We got a couple guests coming up. We got an album movie swap discussion coming up later in the show. You want to expand your mind? Make sure you've listened to Led Zeppelin 4 and make sure you've seen Above the Rim. Zay and I are different people now because of those two things. We'll get to all of it. It's Chad and Zay on a Thursday. I'm Chad Hastings, and he is now the man who has heard Stairway to Heaven all the way through in the context of the album. He is Isaiah Collier. What's up, Zay? What up, Chad? Happy Thursday, everybody. Feeling good, feeling great. How are you? I'm doing good. How many chores did you get done around the house while Stairway to Heaven was playing? Not much. Not much? Not much. You just sat and focused? Yeah, locked in. Look at you. Multiple times. Okay. Yeah, can't wait to talk about it. You went multiple listens? Come on, you got to. Okay. You got to. Okay. You got to. Yeah. There were definitely parts of Above the Rim I watched multiple times. (laughs) Just making sure I saw what I thought I saw. My goodness. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. Uh, Again, we hope you are having a great start to June. There's a lot of different things out there. Obviously, basketball. A big part of it. We do remind you, Texas baseball will be tomorrow. We'll be cut short, assuming that Miami weather doesn't take over. Seeing about a 60% chance today. We'll double-check that one tonight. But tomorrow it's scheduled as a 1 o'clock start for Texas and Louisiana. The Raging Cajuns and the Longhorns doing it on South Beach. 12.45 pregame, 1 o'clock. So we'll get you a little bit of a show tomorrow and then hopefully get you to Texas baseball for that 1 o'clock start. But what we start with today, Zay, is more good Texas basketball news. Hadn't all been good. We understand that. The Holland news wasn't good. We finished that out yesterday. He's going G League Ignite. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yep. Um, And the Johnson news was not good. He's the one going to Australia? Yep. NBL. Right. Right. But there has been some good news outside of that, including some big names that are coming back. We already had the Tyrese Hunter story as he is coming back. And now... I wake up to actually it was last night before I went to bed that I realized oh okay we do have something to talk about and Zay will be glad to talk about it. Dylan Mitchell is coming back for now what do they call it? It's a uh, a sof a sa- a safi a so- sophomore sophomore year. They don't have many of those at college basketball anymore, so I had to learn how to pronounce that. <laughs> He's going to be a sophomore next year. Give me your reaction to this. I'm hype. I'm really hyped. Dylan Mitchell. 
he could be a key piece for the 2024 team in this upcoming season for Rodney Terry and the University of Texas. And when you bring guys in like Max Acemus and Caden Shedrick, Kendall Weaver, Zerick Oyema, and along with guys who have been here and went far with you last year in the Elite Eight, Dylan DeSue, Tyrese Hunter, and now Dylan Mitchell, you're starting to get your core, which is really exciting because a lot of people are picking Kansas. Remember, U of H is now in the Big 12. I know that doesn't mean much in football for a lot of Texas fans, but it sure does mean something in basketball. It better for Yo, this season for I, sure, I, right? I just saw Jarrett Walker, who's entering the draft. He's working out at U of H right now. They already got that uh, Big 12 symbol on the court. So they're locked in. I just saw BYU, you know, football jersey with the symbol. Those guys, they're ready to come over. Because Sasser is not back, but Shed is. Yeah, Jamal Shed. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So now the Horns, they should be able to compete with all those guys, and they could get back to where they were last year and making a run in the NCAA tournament. And as for Dylan Mitchell, we all knew that the draft wasn't going to be in his favor. With the season that he had in 2023, he just was too inconsistent. And, you know, Chad, for it was kind of a blessing in disguise for Texas fans when you see teams like the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals because that shows you you could go undrafted and still make a lot of money and still have a very long NBA career. Look at Max Struess. Hmm. Look at Kayla Martin. Look at Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson. Even on the other side, Nikola Jokic, he was a second-round pick. So if you're Dylan Mitchell and they're telling you, son, you're not ready now, it's not that we're still not looking at you. It's, still not, it's not that you're not a big-time prospect. You definitely are at 6'8 with your athleticism and your wingspan. But NBA teams are going to look at guys, especially now it's a copycat league in every profession, NBA teams are going to look at guys where they don't have to pay as much who are very talented that might not be drafted. So Dylan Mitchell isn't going to get that guaranteed deal being a second-round pick. Even though he had a really good combine, he did not work himself into being a first-round pick. He just worked himself into being drafted. I see a lot of you know mock drafts having them at 42, 45, 50 and stuff. And, and some mocks without him. Yeah, zero. Yeah. Some don't even have him on the board. So if you're in his situation, and as much as he loves Coach Terry, he said that that's his guy, one of the best coaches he's ever played for. He was vouching for him when Coach Terry didn't have the job. He wants to come back, and he could really do something special in year two and getting that feedback from the combine, from the scouts, saying, yo, you got to work on that jumper. Even though it looked good against Casper, against Ghost, where you're you know going against cones and stuff, dry, not so much when we're playing live action. And, you know, Dylan Mitchell, with what we saw at Texas, he played really well off of guys. He just wasn't that five-star, top-five pick that we all expected because when you expect those guys to come in, you expect those to be, you know, bootleg Carmelo Anthony-like, do it all mm-hmm. and then some, especially when, you know, in the mock draft before the season started, he was supposed to be a lottery pick. So now he has to work on his ball handling. He has to work on his shooting. He has to work on his defense. He was a really good help side defender getting blocks and stuff, but his on-ball defense, not so much. You know, being in the right situation at the right time, understanding the scouting report. I thought sometimes the game was a little fast for even somebody as athletic as him. I remember in the Miami game, there were plays where, you know, guys were catching it on the out-of-bounds play and getting dunks, and he was the main responsibility. 
So in year two, things like that get corrected. And I think this is huge for the squad. I think this is huge for the University of Texas. And I'm really looking forward to this season now. Somebody on the text line asked a weird question. Can Mitchell go into the portal now? I don't think so. I think that deadline already passed. That if you were going to come out from the NBA and switch schools and jump in the portal, I think that that deadline already passed. Yeah. I think that's true. So I think the answer to that is no, but I appreciate the the question. Uh, Dylan Mitchell, these are the stats that I honestly, Zay, did not realize. Uh, Started all 38 games, which tied like a Texas record for games played and, and, you know, games played and started. He's tied records for that, but led the team in field goal percentage at 64%, third in rebounding, second in offensive rebounds, fifth in block shots. And to me, what he just, he needs to show some expansion. When we talked about him in the draft stuff, hitting some threes, and you're like, well, wait a minute, he didn't do that at Texas. Between Dylan Mitchell and Rodney Terry and the rest of that coaching staff, they need to just back his game up because I know what he's doing flying at the rim. He became the guy that could light the Moody Center up with a dunk. either. But a lot of times it was a dunk he was like on the backs. It was a lob dunk Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, created by someone else. Somebody else created the beginning of the play. He finished it. He energized the crowd and got him going. Now I would just have that discussion with Dylan about what did they tell you in the NBA? What did they tell you about your NBA skills and what they want you to develop? We'll talk about what we'd like you to develop, and let's just continue to back away from the basket and talk about short shots you create, jumpers you create, free throws you can create, and then maybe we get to three-pointers occasionally that you can create if you show us you can hit it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. If Texas wants to maximize their ability this season and Coach Terry wants to get everything out of the roster and out of each and every player he needs Dylan Mitchell to take a step up in every single aspect yeah from dribbling shooting defense the whole nine because right now they don't really have a three guy they don't have that wing small forward type they got Tyrese Hunter and Max Aceman both of those guys are guards Dylan Mitchell played the four last year Dylan DeSue as versatile as he is he's a big man yeah you know what I'm saying you're not gonna have him go guard wings out there you know guys like Kevin McCuller you know that that's a huge guy that they got over there at Kansas for yeah. Bill Self. Who is going back to Kansas. Who's going back to yeah. Kansas. It's a Swiss Army knife, yeah. which Dylan Mitchell, you should be battling him with Kevin McCullough for Defensive Player of the Year in Big 12. That mm. should be your goal. You know, turn defense into offense along with the stuff that I just said. So, I didn't even mention Brock Cunningham when I was naming out the squad. Like, Brock's going to be huge this year. And the Horns, Coach Terry and the staff, they're still going to go after another wing guy. Arthur Kaminga out of Creighton, they're still going to go after him. You remember they were going after Caleb Love. I'm sure they're going to try to find somebody else to fit that rotation, too, to make them 10 deep. I know Alex Enemekwe, his, uh, you know, progression is going to be huge this season so I'm really excited man this is a big time get we didn't expect it we thought when Dylan Mitchell entered the combine and put himself in the draft he was going to stay and yeah I'm hyped that didn't work out I mean I will hope the best for him but it reminds me a lot of Miles Bridges which Dylan Mitchell off the court is way better than Miles Bridges his off the court stuff is absolutely ridiculous and there's a big reason why he's suspended for a lot of games for the Hornets this year but coming out of Michigan State him being a lefty he was a big time five star recruit just like Dylan Mitchell and he didn't have that big freshman year that everybody expected him to have playing for Tom Izzo he came back his sophomore year and he ended up being a lottery pick that same season so it could happen it could work and again 
looking at Tyrese Hunter and Dylan Mitchell, and you see examples from the Miami Heat that, you know what, I might not be able, I might not get drafted, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I can make a way in the NBA if I take the right steps, if I have the right work ethic, and if I get in the right situation like all those Miami Heat guys are in. Speaking of Miami, obviously the finals get started tonight. We will get to that. But Dylan Mitchell coming back for Texas. If you have thoughts on that or maybe NBA finals prediction for us, uh, Specs text line 337-3776. This text says, important that Mitchell increases his range from 22 inches. <laughs> yes, exactly. Got to back, back up a little bit. Somebody else texted, Grandpa Brock is coming back? That's rude. There's no need to call him Grandpa Brock. He is old as hell. He does have – it's just because when you're in college for more than two years <laughs> Now they think you're old. Brock, don't let them tell you that. I know you can grow the facial hair and everything. That doesn't make you old. makes you experienced. And one thing I do like, Zay, is this version of college basketball. It's got its issues. It's got its, uh, you know, it's got its, it, its battles it has to fight in terms of the, the tip-top guys. But what I do like is these guys you'll see where a team does get to develop, where you do have juniors and seniors on a team, but also you have guys that kind of take – Maybe we'll call it the baseball route. Because in baseball, what guys have figured out is like, wait a second, I can develop in college. I can live that college life, get treated a little bit better in terms of transport than I would um, you know, in terms of being in the minor leagues. And a lot of guys now are choosing that route, and it improves the draft stock. So they'd be drafted down here one year. They go a year or two in college. Now they have to go a certain time in baseball. But then they end up getting drafted higher. So even if it's that one year like you're talking about with Bridges or whoever – we're going to see so much, uh, so much better version of Dylan Mitchell after that year. Because I think I would tell him, you would tell him, most Longhorn fans would tell him, it's like, look, we want you to, a Texas fan would say, I want you to play in Texas as long as you can. Because yeah. I'm a Texas fan. But the word I would use to describe him and a whole bunch of guys that have gone through here that I think should have stayed is just raw. Yep. There's raw talent. Yep. Let it settle. Let it simmer for at least one more year. And I think your pocketbook will be happy about it. Yep, because I said the same thing about Greg Brown. Absolutely. Who is no longer on the NBA team. Got waived. It's been two years. Could have been so much better than he is. And the Blazers didn't even make the playoffs. It'd be different if they were like a team that was fighting for the finals or in the conference finals because they had studs. They have a lot of guys that are fighting to make rosters, and Greg didn't make it because of the rawness that you're talking about. Coming out of Texas with Shaka Smart and the immaturity. Remember him, you know, leaving the court and stuff and all that BS. And a lot of people said that him playing in Central Texas kind of hindered his development while guys like Dylan Mitchell played for Mount Vernon when you're playing Oak Hills and top guys Mm. in the nation and stuff like that. I don't know if that's much of a difference. Like T.J. Ford played in public school here in Texas. It's really about the dude at the end of the day. Sure, yeah. But, you know, yeah, some of these guys, they see the big dollars. They got the people like your uncle and your ignorant-ass cousin that hasn't worked a day (laughs) in his life saying, yo, fam, you can make it. Y'all, you can make it. We all come up. Auntie Jane, you know, Grandpa Rick, we all come up. You can get that leg for Grandpa Rick because he got the gout problem. You know what I'm saying? I need new ties for the whip. You know what I'm saying? We all can make it. And you feel like you feel entitled to helping them because you they're family. Okay, first off, I need you to name the angry, ignorant cousin. It kind of sounds like Avery Johnson. Did you, Did anybody else hear Avery Johnson as the cousin? That was a good casting, by the way. 
<laughs> I kind of like that. Don't listen to the cousin, Dylan. He didn't listen to the cousin. Ron Holland might be listening to the cousin. He might be. But I can't knock it. No, I can't knock it. Ron Holland, when they put that much money in front of you? I, I can't knock that. Everybody's cousin understands that. Yeah, sometimes your cousin might be <laughs> ignorant-ass Avery, and sometimes it might be a rich Paul-like. You can be crazy and right exactly. Some, sometimes. Exactly. Uh, congratulations to Dylan Mitchell for getting to come back to Texas, making that decision that he feels is best for him, but also getting that NBA info. So hopefully uh, that ends up being a great thing for Texas. So that's a big story of the day college-wise around here. Big story of the day nationally in basketball, of course, is the NBA Finals. Game one tonight, Zay, nine full days of rest for Joker and Murray and all these dudes. And I'm seeing Denver by nine tonight. That chip on the shoulder of the Heat, it's massive now. The eight-seeded Heat against the one-seed Denver. I haven't heard anybody picking the Heat to win this series. No. And think about how beat up the Heat are. Not just the fatigue thing, playing in a Game 7 against the Boston Celtics and those guys being up three and losing that and forcing the Game 7. But Jimmy Butler, he hurt his ankle during that series. Or maybe it was during the yep. New York series, but he hurt his ankle during this playoff run. Yeah, that last game, everybody was focused on Tatum. But during that time period, there was a little moment where something was up with Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Gabe Vincent, he missed the game right. in the series. What is Kevin Love going to bring? Because Spolstra didn't even play him game six and seven. And you cannot play that small ball lineup when you're starting Strews, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo against this very large Denver Nuggets team mm-hmm. that has 6'10", Aaron Gordon, 6'10", Michael Porter Jr., 6'1", 6'2", Nikola Jokic. Even Jamal Murray, their point guard, is six foot five. And if they put Gabe Vincent on them, Jamal Murray – Him and Drew Holiday, they're the best point guard post players in the association. And when you have a shooter like Nikola Jokic and you have a guard that could post up like Jamal Murray, that's a matchup nightmare because they run that inverted pick and roll and Jamal Murray will roll to the basket and he'll just stop and post up and they'll feed him and you can't help especially when Catavius Carwell-Pope is knocking down shots like he's been doing all playoffs long. You can't help, especially because Bruce Brown has been knocking down shots all playoffs long. He's Again, been great. So has Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon. You're going to let him live. You're going to let him take those shots. But remember in Game 4, the Lakers did that, and he gave you 20-something points. So he's capable of getting you some buckets here and there, and he's really good playing off Nikola Jokic cutting to the basket. So it's Eric Spolstra. Are they willing to go zone a little bit more than they did in the Boston series? Because that really mucked up what Boston tried to do as a flow with their chemistry and kind of made them a little, you know, just easy to guard. They started settling for threes, and we saw what they did in Game 7. They went like 9 for 40-something from the three-point line. The Nuggets won't shoot that bad at all. They just won't, Mm -hmm. man. And if they are shooting that bad, they're just going to give it to their two-time MVP, and he's just going to dominate Bam Adebayo in the post, and they're just going to cut off him. So... I it's going to be really tough. They he have to win this game yeah. if they want to win the series. If they want to even have a chance, they have to take advantage of them playing a game cl- closer to the schedule 
a few nights ago and carrying that momentum and trying to take advantage of the sluggishness of that nine-day rest that the Denver Nuggets are facing. Tonight it's on ABC to start it off. I think the whole series will be ABC. 7.30 tonight, Miami and Denver in Game 1. More preview of that coming up. We're going to get a national perspective from Alex Tasopoulos, host of the Charity Stripe on the Believe Network. He also hosts uh, Felts and Tass with Raymond Felton. Uh, get a national perspective. We're also told he's a UT alum, so we may get his thoughts on Texas basketball as well. Alex is coming right up. A little later in the crab bag, I'll tell you about part two of that American Gladiators 30 for 30 because it was something. Glad you're with us on a Thursday. We talk more basketball next on The Horn. Chad and Zay. All right, getting rolling on a Thursday. I don't quite recognize this one. Feels like it's not. Hmm. I feel like I'm going to feel dumb when you say it. Who is it? Tom Robinson Band. No, no, I don't feel dumb at all. I had no clue. Tom Robinson Band? Yep. You know what, Zay, I say it all the time. Sometimes I think it's, you know. Sometimes you just need a second meeting on that band name. Yeah. That's not going to get you very far. Uh, like, Tom Robinson's got to be a badass for it to be Tom Robinson Band. Come on, fellas. I mean. Got to reset. I want to think. People so- probably thought the same thing about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That's a good point. But at least you had and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. Plus, it didn't quite sound like this. But that's a whole other issue. That's a whole other topic. Never mind. All right. Uh, we've got a lot of basketball on the board today, including the NBA Finals coming up tonight. Great news for Texas with Dylan Mitchell coming back. And to talk about it, let's get a national perspective on this thing. But we also hear he's got a UT perspective on stuff as well. Let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline and talk to Alex Tosopoulos, host of the Charity Stripe on the Believe Network, also hosts Felts and Tass with Raymond Felton. Alex, we appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. You mentioned Dylan Mitchell, and I. Uh, it was a great thing to wake up to on the West Coast over here. We've got a starting lineup now with Abbas and Hunter and Mitchell and DeSue and, uh, and Shedrick, we've got ourselves a starting lineup. I'm a, I'm a Longhorn, so I'm pumped about that. Yeah, as we were setting this interview up, uh, the contact let me know, hey, by the way, he's a UT alum, so y'all can ask about Texas stuff. That's very, very cool. So when were you at Texas? Uh, I was there between 2013 and 2016, so okay. right at the end of the Mac Brown era into the Charlie Strong era on the football side. Gotcha, gotcha. So before we get into the NBA, uh, you just mentioned it a little bit there, but uh, how excited are you for, for Texas basketball now knowing who's coming back? I'm incredibly excited, and uh, I, I think you know this is a team from a talent perspective um, that, that can do a lot of things, a lot of good things next year in the Big 12, and, and I'm really happy for Coach Terry for, for holding on to guys like Hunter and Mitchell. I didn't think they were ready to go to the Bigs yet, um, and I think they'll, they'll do a lot better with one more year of, of college basketball under their belt. They can head to the draft next year and uh, you know up their stock a little bit. So excited about seeing this team for sure. Yeah, Alex, if you were Tyrese Hunter and Dylan Mitchell and you got feedback from the NBA scouts, what would you tell those guys going into their next year in Texas? So when the 2024 season is over, 
if they're ready to come out of the draft, what will they have to have worked on in order to be, you know, available to get drafted? I think from Hunter's standpoint, he showed last year that he can get into guys defensively. Um, He's a really good one-on-one defender. But we had Marcus Carr, right? He was our primary ball handler. And now I think that, you know, Hunter will be slotted into a different position and, and will be able to show more of a playmaking side to his game. He, got, he, was, he was hot during the, uh, the NCAA tournament. He shot the ball really, really well from three. Um, if he can continue to do that, of course, that, that's something that NBA scouts are always looking for. Um, but as far as I'm concerned with his size, or, or his lack of size, rather, the playmaking ability has to be there where he can facilitate and create for others. And Mitchell, for him, it's just the three-point shot and being more aggressive on the offensive side. He, he played a lot of the dunker spot this past season, but for the most part, you know, he wasn't playing more than 25 minutes in a game. He'll have the opportunity to play 30, 30-plus 30 minutes um, this upcoming season, and you know, it, it's going to be his time to shine. This is a guy that, coming out of high school, you, know, you looked at those mocks before he stepped on campus in Austin. He was supposed to be a top-15 pick, and obviously that, that wasn't how – you know, things went down just in the regular season, but that just means he wasn't ready. But he's got the talent. He's got the athleticism. Um, the bounce is unreal. I mean, that guy vertically can just do a lot of things that a lot of other guys can't. So um, it's just being more assertive for him, and, and things will fall into place for sure. Again, talking with Alex Tosopoulos uh, from the Believe Network, uh, NBA analyst. If you want to follow him on Twitter, at Toss.0. Very nice Twitter handle. Love that. Uh, Alex, as we get towards the NBA Finals here, a lot of folks picking Denver, the one seed facing an eight seed. Uh, let's look at this from Eric Spolstra's perspective here. If you're coming at it from his perspective uh, and knowing you got to steal one of these two games coming in Denver here, what do you think he does? What's the, how do you deal with Joker? How do you deal with Murray and just all the depth that Denver's got? Do you think that he'd have a chance here? I think they have a chance. I think it's always easier for the road team to steal game one than game two. Um, home crowd, it's going to be electric in Denver for sure, but you know, sometimes that energy can be a little overwhelming for a team. And we've seen in these playoffs thus far that the road teams have actually fared pretty well on the road, uh, pretty well in game one, rather. So I, I think you would just kind of throw all your chips in the basket of trying to get that first game. The, the real question mark for me is, you know, Bam Adebayo is going to be on Jokic. We might see a, a lot more Zeller minutes, Kevin Love, and maybe even uh, Yurt Seven, who hasn't gotten any uh, PT thus far in the playoffs for the Heat, but I would try and play Jokic straight up, and I, I wouldn't bring the double because he beats the double. You're in a four-on-three situation. You're going to lose that, you know, with, with Murray and, and Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon in the dunker spot. So I, I'd play him straight up. See if Jokic in game one and game two can score 50 back to back, and just make sure and limit those other guys as much as you can. They can test the three-point ball incredibly against the Celtics. I think they're going to give uh, KCP, MPJ, Jamal Murray some real, real trouble in a way that they haven't seen when they played the Lakers in, in, in previous series. 
Alex, how impressed are you with Eric Spolstra and his ability to play chess from series to series, from Bootenholzer out coaching him, then you go to you know you go to the Knicks, you out coach him, and then you just see what he did to Missoula, and it's just the confidence that those guys feed from him that goes to, all the way up to Pat Riley, and you see guys like Jimmy Butler, yeah. and then all the guys that be just undrafted going into this series against the Nuggets. What role players do you think is going to be have the most impact? Do you think it's going to be those undrafted guys in Miami or the KCPs and the Michael Porter Juniors or the Bruce Browns for the Nuggets? I think both these teams uh, on both sides, their their role players are going to have to continue to step up. I mean, Jimmy Butler and Nikola Jokic have been the two best players in the playoffs, and uh, go figure, both these teams are in the finals. As far as Eric Spolster goes, the guy's been to just as many finals as Greg Popovich. And, I mean, I know how we all feel as Texans about Greg Popovich. In my mind, he's the best NBA basketball coach I've ever seen. And so for Spolster to do what he's doing is tremendous. He's had an incredible coaching career. A lot of credit to Pat Riley, who now at this point has been to 25% of the NBA finals, whether it be as an executive, as a coach, or as player which is just a ridiculous stat wow but i i just yeah yeah i just want to point out that one thing that spo has that a lot of other coaches like bud who ended up getting fired like monty williams who ended up getting fired like doc rivers who ended up getting fired the thing that spo has is the trust from the front office so he can play around without having that pressure of not knowing if he's going to have a job next season and um you know i, I think that lets him get creative with which role players he can give a shot to. And, um, you know, you, Haywood Highsmith in game seven picked Jason Tatum at the, at the half court line and went the other way for a, for a layup. He might get some minutes at the wing position guarding guys like Porter Jr. and Gordon. But every guy is going to have to step up on this Heat team. Tyler Hero is a really interesting question mark. Coming back from the injury, it was his shooting hand, so we'll see how he looks. But he's going to be instrumental if the Heat even want some sort of semblance of a chance competing with the Nuggets. I mean, he has to do what he did in the regular season, which was average 20 points per game. Alex, what impresses you the most, as somebody that follows basketball very closely, what impresses you most about Jokic? There's so many different things to choose from. What stands out to you that makes him that extra-level freak that we probably have never seen before? I think it's his presence in crucial clutch moments where a lot of times when guys are the best player on their team, they feel like they have to rise up and do more in those situations. And he always makes the right basketball play. And he always finds the open man. He trusts his teammates. In that Lakers series, I, just watching him go at Anthony Davis, who's one of the best big men in the league. But as he saw Anthony Davis getting worn down on the defensive side, he would push the tempo. So it's just those little things where he notices something in the defense in their scheme or in their personnel, guys getting tired, and he attacks it. So, I mean, anything the guy does on the court, I feel like at this point <laughs> feels like we're, we're watching just a brainiac do his thing, but uh, he's truly amazing. He's yeah. truly amazing. Yeah. Alex, this upcoming draft is supposed to be very special, and it definitely is going to be. We know the San Antonio Spurs got the number one pick, and they're going to select Victor Wimbenyama. How do you think he's going to change the association? Well, I, I think he, at the bare minimum, can come in in year one and be a 
almost 20 points per game score and, and over 10 rebounds per game and one of the best defensive bigs in the NBA. I'm excited that he's headed to Austin because of what I think, you know, Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford are going to be able to do with him. They have to put a team around him because they don't currently have the personnel for this team to, to compete for a championship, that is. Um, but, but I'm excited. I mean, anytime you get a prospect like this entering the NBA, you hope, you know, you knock on wood, hope they stay healthy and, uh, hope, hope they are what we've been promised as fans and just, you know, buckle up and, and just enjoy the ride basically. And, and I'm excited. I mean, I'm a Mavs fan, so I, I'm sweating a little bit. I just hope the Spurs don't, don't uh, outshoot Luca and Cuban and those guys up there in Dallas, but it's going to be fun. And I know Austin. Um, you know, those two home games are going to be rowdy and raucous uh, when the Spurs head up there um, this season, one game, I think, and then next season at the Moody Center. So that's going to be awesome. That's cool. Yeah, you're just like my partner here. He's oh, a Mass fan, brother. too, from Waxahachie. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's hurting a little bit with Wimbanyama going to the Spurs. But, you know, you're, you being a Mass fan also – Obviously, this was a very underachieving season when you were in the Western Conference Finals in 2022, a couple of games away from making the finals and then not make the playoffs this past year with Kyrie Irving. Where do you think the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban go from now? And with Jason Kidd, do you think he's the future? And if not, then who? what's the next, what's the next solution? I think there's so many things that this team has to do to get back to a point where we're competing for Western Conference Finals. I have concerns about Jason Kidd, but ultimately I think, you know, we we talk about these coaches, like we have to trust that they know what they're doing and they know a lot more about the game than we do. And certainly a guy like Jason Kidd who played the level at, at, you know, played, played the game at such a high level and is such a savant on the court. And, and was the coach that got us to the Western Conference Finals, the personnel has to be taken care of first before I can really make a, a true evaluation on whether Kid's the right guy. Um, and we have to put some sort of defense around Luka and Kyrie. If those are the two stars that you're rolling with going forward, the rest of the roster has to suit them in a way where they can compete. And those two guys are superstars, but they're not defensive-minded players. So we need the wing depth. We need the, the bigs that can protect the paint, and right now that's not something that we have. Uh, it was interesting. I listened to Eric Spolster talk about his team after they beat the Celtics. One thing he said, he was, he was like, it's easy to put together a defensive scheme when your two best players, Bam and Jimmy, are defensive-minded players first. Um, so they're in the finals, and, and the Mavs didn't make the playoffs, like you said. So maybe we need to reevaluate things. <laughs> uh, but it is a joy to watch Luca play. That, that's for sure. And, and and as long as he's on the squad, you know, I'll continue to tune into Dallas Mavericks games. Yeah, if you look at former NBA champions that won, Kobe and Shaq, they played some D. Mike and Scotty, they played yep. some D. LeBron and D. Wade, they played some D too. So, yeah, it makes sense. It kind of helped. There are two ends of the floor. Yeah. You got to kind of deal with both of them. Uh, right. right. Alex, we, we really appreciate the time, man. Uh, great conversation, and uh, hopefully it won't be the last. If uh, if you're good with it, we'll we'll save your number, man. It was good stuff, and glad to glad to hear the thoughts on not only the NBA, but uh, the Texas perspective, too. Uh, enjoy the, the start of the NBA Finals, and uh, maybe we'll hit you up soon. Okay. Sounds good, guys. I'm always down to come on. Cool. Have a good day. Thank Thanks, you, man. Alex. 
Good stuff. Alex Tisopoulos, host of The Charity Stripe on the Believe Network, and also check out Felts and Tass, a show he does with Raymond Felton. And again, that Twitter handle is at Toss.0, T-A-S-S. That is a dope name. That's a dope name. Spelled out. That's well done. Uh, Yeah, good stuff there from Alex, a Texas alum that's happy about Dylan Mitchell and uh, coming back and uh, what they're looking like next year. I know. I forgot to ask him about Raymond Felton. I slipped my mind. Oh yeah, we can get him on again and ask. One of my favorite Husky players that ever played the game. He was really, he was really good. I wouldn't say good. I don't know if I'd say it that way. What do you mean? You think Alex makes fun of him for that? You wouldn't. I don't think you. I don't think he should make fun of him. But there's nothing to make fun of there. Okay. Like being a really good Husky player, that is something. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'd be interested to see if that's how they say it on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Alex for his time. Uh, Coming up at 105, we got another guest popping in, Jeff Ketchum of OrangeBloods.com to talk Texas baseball. Dylan Mitchell coming back. And, of course, we close in on the football season, only 93 days away from Texas' first game against Rice. Uh, Coming up next, how about a little crap bag, American Gladiators Part 2? Yeah, I watched that last night. What a wild 30 for 30. We'll talk a little bit about that we got catch coming up at 105 and at 130 in the flex segment one of the coolest flex stories you could ever hope to see we will tell you what happened in nyc yesterday that had all kinds of a flex feel to it stay with us this is the horn i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Chad and Zay. All right, rolling through a Thursday. Welcome to June, the Eagles. This one I know. One of these nights from the Eagles, Don Henley playing the drums and singing. It's good groove. Yeah, the Eagles are they're kind of polarizing. There are some people like the dude who will tell you that they don't like the Eagles, but in general, I think it's good, easy listening rock. Yeah. I don't mean easy listening as an insult. Some music should be easy to listen to. Everything you listen to shouldn't be difficult to listen to. Right. Those people drive me crazy. The ones that'll tell me, I wake up every day and I listen to thrash metal all day. Really? That's all you listen to? It's tough. It's got to melt your brain. Or like really high level, fast, complicated rap. If that's all you listen to, I just don't know how you calm down. Oh, yeah. I, I have to take mad breaks from Buster Rhymes. Right. Exactly. Like Love them. It, it's impressive. Love them. Can't go there all the time. Not at all. Got to have a little Eagles ready to go. Let's just chill out. Give me Play Hotel California. Let me just chill out for a second. Uh, the Eagles and the Tom Robinson Band getting us started today musically. Musically later on, Zay's going to tell you what he thought of Led Zeppelin 4. We'll do that at 2.05. And we will talk above the rim I have now put a little more completion into my life when it comes to watching movies because I've now seen above the rim. And Zay was right to put it in the run we're on with blue chips and the last Boy Scout, and now above the rim. Mm. 
because I can't decide which one has the most unrealistic first scene. We will get to that discussion later on. Jeff Ketchum of Orange Bloods coming up at 105. His thoughts on Dylan Mitchell coming back in basketball. His thoughts on this baseball team and how far they can go. They got to get out of Coral Gables and then they got to go somewhere else probably because uh, it doesn't look like they would get to host uh, any kind of super regional. Um, they would have to go probably to Stanford if they got out of that region. So we'll get his thoughts on their chances to do that. Right now, though, let's get you a little crap bag we'll talk american gladiators and see if i can fit some stats into chad's crap bag crap bag if you need an easy way to remember it just think of a bag of crap brought to you by av consultations 255-8678 or go to avconsultations.com i was using my cameras that av consultations helped set up today to check some stuff out at the house even when i wasn't there they can do that kind of stuff for you avconsultations.com all right uh zay i finished up the american gladiators 30 for 30 it was an unexpectedly great one. Oh, i didn't know i had, <laughs> i had my expectations set pretty low it's not quite like the two Escobars. Like, that might be the most unexpectedly good one they've ever had for me. That one about the soccer and the... Was it the That's col- your favorite? Not my favorite. It's the, my, my, my most unexpected favorite. Okay. The one that I didn't... This is, I went in thinking, all right, I'll check it out. And it just ends up being phenomenal. This isn't quite like that, but I had kind of a low bar, and I didn't know there was so much complexity in the American Gladiators, but part two rounded out last night, and there's just all kinds of weird stuff with this show. We talked about yesterday the the way they treated the Gladiators, um, the, the the lack of pay, the lack of health care, the injuries that was sustained, steroid use, and all these things that you probably thought of some of it, you just didn't think of all of it together. And some of them telling their stories and, and how things played out was incredible. There was a there's a discussion that runs through the whole thing about did one of the creators of American Gladiators cut another creator out of everything for years? And then did this guy who really created the idea not get paid all you know for all these years what he should have been paid? And there's all this weird stuff. And and the main creator they're talking to wouldn't let them talk to the other one. But yeah, in, that's weird. But in part two, spoiler alert. You get to find some stuff out about the other guy. Ah. So they do an incredible job of telling the story, and it is definitely one I would recommend, The American Gladiators, 30 for 30. Uh, it is a pretty wild uh, wild story, wild ride, and here's a great little fact. that will, You can still go watch it, whatever. It's just a goofy little fact. Both times, there were two runs of American Gladiators that I forgot. They brought it back in, like, they tried it in 08, I think it was, with Hulk Hogan as the host. I forgot about that. Okay, that's what I remember. That's what you remember. That's exactly what I remember. It was a bit of a watered-down version. The games weren't as like violent, and it was a little. It was a different version of it, but they tried it again. It didn't ultimately work. Both American Gladiators, when it started up, were during a writer's strike. I never realized that. I never would have thought of that. But reality television is obviously something that can help you in a writer's strike. So in both cases, a rider strike hits and American Gladiators happens. So it's a pretty wild story. And if you had told me that a guy who ends up being an Elvis impersonator kind of co-created or helped to create and push out American Gladiators, it sort of makes sense. It's a pretty wild story. So check that out if you haven't. Also, I started the Sixers documentary. I didn't finish it. Oh, yeah, I didn't get to that. So far, the main interviews are Allen Iverson and Larry Brown. Okay. And then they've got the other guys 
feeding in little things here and there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's good. Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson makes a uh, kind of uh, uh, there's an early confession about not listening to Larry Brown. That's kind of oh, interesting yeah. to start it off. Oh yeah, well known. <laughs> yeah, well known. Right there at the beginning. So, like, dude, you didn't listen to John Thompson really, even though you agreed to go. Well. The only reason why AI went there because John Thompson was the only one that kept the scholarship up. Because you remember the Bowling Alley incident, right? Right. Which yep. that's one of my underrated thirty for thirties. But that's a good one, yeah. AI he didn't have many offers, even though he was a top player in the nation. So he really didn't want to listen to John Thompson. And there was always talks about how he would run the hell out of Iverson, and Iverson's stamina was so good it didn't matter. Like, they would do stares and suicides and stuff, and they I would just be laughing at John Thompson like, yo, this isn't a punishment for me. This is a workout. Yeah. Because that's how in shape Allen Iverson was. So, yeah, for him, you would think he would learn. Right. Because Larry Brown, coming from Kansas and stuff, he had skins on the wall where he should be respected. I don't care who you are. Yeah. I. It's a fascinating story so far. I'm looking forward to finishing that one. That's on NBA TV. Uh, American Gladiator stuff is obviously an ESPN 30 for 30. Now, on the American Gladiator stuff, did they get into the NBC and talk about, like, is there any corruption there? Because you talked about people not getting paid, and I feel like NBC has a little bit to do with that. They never talked about it from the network perspective, no. No, that never got really brought up about the you know about the network side of it. It was always about the you know kind of the, the promoter, I guess, if uh, you will, of how things were were dealt with. But yeah, it's a it, it was a it was a really interesting story. Uh, just another thirty for thirty to to throw on your list. Uh, also, Zay, I, I looked up some of these numbers about Denver and the altitude. So real quick, here's some of the breakdown. We mentioned yesterday eight and zero at home. This playoff run, thirty-four and seven, the regular season. The last time they lost was late March, March thirtieth. They lost to New Orleans. If anybody cares, Miami's last win in Denver, the sixteen seventeen season. Damn, that's how long it's been for them since like D Wade's been there. Yeah, and then I love these breakdowns. They did breakdowns on the average speed of an opponent at Denver. In the first quarter, it's 4.2 miles an hour, and in the fourth, it's 3.89, so they slow down a little bit. Percentage of time walking or standing for opponents in the building, 69% in the first half, first quarter, 73% in the fourth quarter Yo. as things start to develop. And over the last couple years, somebody in promotions in Denver has come up with a brilliant idea. They took some of the time away from announcing the starting lineup to put even more stuff up on the screen and say even more about mile high, 5280. They put up a medical scan of a chest x-ray with red in the lungs, and it blinks, and it's like... Very intimidating. Warning, oxygen deprivation, Uh and all that. Yeah, They go out of their way. The PA guy has said now he has to announce the teams really, really fast because they want to get to that. And they've got quotes from all these players around the league, LeBron-level guys that would admit, yeah, it's tough. It's tough, and they put it in your head. Kevin Garnett, I saw, yeah. was uh, quoted as saying, no, no, they put it in your in your mind, and you kind of have an anxiety attack if you're not careful. Oh, he played them four times a season because the Timberwolves, that's their division. So he knew yeah. about the mile high and what went down, which 
I remember who it didn't phase. When, you know, it just shouldn't be surprised to anybody. When Kobe Bryant and that Lakers team beat Melo and them in 09, they swept them the year before when they had Iverson, and then they traded Iverson for Chauncey Billups. Great trade. Even though Iverson's the way better player, Chauncey was a way better fit for the Nuggets at that time. And when they went in there and Kobe was hitting big shot after big shot and doing biting his lip and grunting his teeth and stuff, and I was like, yo, this dude is a different type of killer. It takes a different type of killer to go up there yeah. and win a series. It's tough. They say to really get acclimated to the uh, to the altitude, you need like two weeks. You don't need two days. Yeah. You need about 10 to 14 days. They, I, I was reading an article about the whole thing, and they say even when they come off of a road trip, the Nuggets, they put them back through – you know, acclimation stuff. Yeah. And they put Joker and Murray and all the guys through this stuff to get them back, get their lungs back to, like, Denver level, if you will. It's going to be fascinating to watch tonight. Not only does that series get pushed to Game 7 with Miami, they immediately had to go to Denver, and that gives them another day or so. They'll get two days between these first two games, but it is a real thing. It's something Denver uses, and they keep reminding you about it all. The- Look on the floor. They've put 5280. On the floor, when you shoot free throws, it's staring at you. They literally put it on the floor, Zay. Like Boston put the six for uh, Bill Russell. Uh-huh. They have put 5,280 on both That's ends of what the that floor. Means. Wow. They're okay. just reminding you. One of my favorite places to, that I've ever been is the pit in New Mexico. And they're up at altitude. And as you walk down the the visiting the tunnel, well, it's both teams, but the tunnel to get to the floor, painted on the wall, down the wall, it says, welcome to the pit, a mile high and louder than dot, dot, dot. So they're just, they make you go all the way. And then when you go from the bench and walk all the way up this ramp, you are gassed at the top of the ramp. Yeah. So coaches and players have to adjust to even that little detail at altitude at New Mexico, so Denver's doing some of that stuff. Just look for that tonight in Game 1. I was in Breckenridge, Colorado a few years ago for a wedding. I was exhausted, and I didn't run at all when I was there. They were going on hikes and stuff. I had to cancel. I was like, I ain't going on no hike with y'all. What's wrong with y'all? Yeah, I ain't doing this. I ain't used to breathing out here. And the elevation's way higher there than it is in Denver, but still, it, it was serious. Yeah. So I can only imagine playing an NBA-level playoff game. Mm-hmm. As in shape as these guys are, professional athletes, whatever, Yeah, it could still be intimidating and very tough. They threw a list out of things that have happened in these playoffs in Denver. Weird things that opponents have done. Remember when LeBron was free and wide open for that dunk and he screwed it up? Yeah. That was in Denver. Yeah. That was in the altitude. Like, it's just weird stuff that will happen. It kind of it messes with you. We'll see if it messes with the heat tonight. 7.30 ABC is where it happens. Up next, your 1 o'clock hour. We'll uh, see if we can grab Jeff Ketchum of orangebloods.com, talk some Longhorn stuff. We are 93 days away from the first game of the football season. You're going to hear all the games right here.